Welcome back to the Extra Credit Podcast at the Bash University. I am your host, Rich Ledbeater, aka Riz. Uh, it's getting to the point where when I say my name, I'm not sure people even know who I am because at iCast and at shows, at the Classic, whatever, everybody knows me as Riz. And we told that story last week of how that nickname came about five years ago, way before all the pop culture business was going around. But uh, we don't need to get into that again. We got another show today. Uh, we're going to be talking to a, a great angler, an accomplished angler, and a new Bash University instructor. Uh, we shot with him down at ICAST, and that's Dakota Ebear. Um, who knew? He, uh, he is a really, really talented seminar speaker. He, he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it without a live audience, but believe me you, he did it and did it well. It was an awesome seminar. We're going to touch on some of those things, some of those points today that, that he went over and just kind of catch up with him, talk a little bit about his background, his past, the, the there to now, and just have a fishing conversation. But before we get into that, let's, uh, let's touch base on a few things from the last time we did a show. Um, last time we did a show, I was getting ready to fish a Bass Legends Open the next day and then head up to Champlain the following week for the BFL with the intern. Um, the Bass Legends Open went well uh, the next day. Uh, we, we, we got the win in that one. My good friend Stevie Hanna and I uh, brought 21-8 to the scales, got the win in the Bass Legends tournament there, and then Justin and I Roll call up to Champlain Thursday morning at 1 a.m. And we got about a day and a half of practice in. Um, I tried to do the smallmouth thing on the first day of practice, and I was completely lost. Like, felt like I was fishing on the face of the moon, not knowing what I was looking at, what was going on out there. So day two of practice, I said, let's go largemouth fishing. And I got into some comfortable water for me, and that means shallow grass and I got comfortable found some fish and ended up scratching out a pretty decent finish in that event um had 16 pounds 11 ounces all largemouth and finished in 31st place just outside of the check range but it was another good finish for points um I'm sitting in eighth for the AOY points for the Northeast BFL trail so we're going to keep that train rolling. Um, I'm heading back up to Champlain again next week. I'm heading up this time on Wednesday night so that I don't got to do that early morning drive again. And I'm going to practice Thursday and Friday and fish the tournament on Saturday. So we'll see. Uh, things are going to be changing. I don't know. Um, I'll probably try to target largemouth again, honestly. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe I can figure something out for the smallmouth. Last night, Justin, the intern, and I hopped in the local Wednesday night Upper Chesapeake Bay Derby, and we weighed in three fish for 13-5 and came away with the dub in that one. We got the victory. So it's been a fun couple weeks of fishing. It's been very busy. Um, we were at ICAST for Bash U last week, and that's always uh, a hectic week. There's a lot going on. A lot of people that we got to talk to, um, but we got it done, man. It was a successful ICAST for us. We shot seminars, 14 seminars to be exact. Our camera guy, Jeff Olson, was an absolute beast behind the camera, never had a break. 
pretty much shot all day, every day, and he bulldogged right through it. So kudos to you, Jeff. Thank you to all of our Bashu instructors that worked with us down at ICAST. We appreciate the time you gave us, and we're excited to put that content out to our Bash University audience. But today on the show, we are going to be talking to an accomplished angler, a busy angler, and his name is Dakota Eber. In 2020, this guy fished 20 tour-level events. 2021, he fished another 18. Last year, he fished like 20. So, I mean, he is just a tournament fishing eight up dude and you know he's he's one of those guys that you can feel his energy when you talk to him so i'm excited to introduce him dakota ebear all right good deal so you couldn't hear my intro to you but that's all right um basically i just recapped a little bit of your seminar talked about perfect preparation and um you did a great job with it man it was a it was an awesome seminar, and you have a you have a really good approach to tournament fishing. And man, thank you for cutting out some time for us today. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. Uh, so, what's going on, man? What do we what do we have going on in Dakota Ebear's world today? Man, uh, I appreciate you having me. You know, I really enjoyed doing the seminar down there at ICAST, and uh, you know, uh, like I said then, you know, I spent so many hours and hours and hours watching the Bass University. Uh, especially early on in my career, and and uh, it's just a really cool to be able to be on the other side of things for once, you know, and I'm able to give back, you know, to the to the Bass University. But yeah, uh, man, I'm just here at home here at Sam Rayburn. We're we're finishing up my house that we've been building, and uh, just got a couple little stages left uh, before I can finally move in. Hopefully, when I get back from Saginaw Bay from the Bass Pro Tour event. So that's kind of my focus right now is just getting ready for that Bass Pro Tour event and finishing up this house. So the last time we talked, um, you mentioned to me that you were, you were in between, you were in between boats last time we talked. Has that, has that changed? No, I actually wasn't in between boats. I just had to get the one that I was using, uh, fixed. Let's just say that. Okay. And, uh, and, um, I, I was, it was in the shop and I didn't have it, but I do have it now. And I'm in the process of breaking it back in and uh getting it ready to go for saginaw bay so i've been going out in the afternoons and running it a little bit and just fishing around rayburn a little bit you know right how is rayburn fishing how's the how's the summertime deal man you know it, it's always got the potential to be really good you know it, it starts getting pretty tough at this time of the year uh just the water temperatures in the 90s i mean it's unbelievably hot it's been over 100 degrees every day here so that definitely changes things but there's big ones that live here and they, you know, there's, there's always a few guys that figure out a way to catch them. So I know a really good friend of mine had, uh, they fished a three fish tournament last weekend and they had, you know, I think 18, almost 19 pounds with three, you know, and won the event. So there's definitely some big ones being caught right now. Man, that's a, that's a, that's a strong lake. It's always, always put out big weights and, uh, it's definitely on my on my bucket list. I gotta. It, it, I gotta it I, is. I got. I got to get down there. Well, you have to come down officially sometime. Yeah, I would, it's a great I, lake, I would. and it's really, uh, it's really been a, a, a big part of the the learning curve for me. I, it's taught me so much since I moved here in 2017, and helped me out tremendously in my career because you know Rayburn's always changing, so it keeps you on your toes. Um, 
it, it teaches you to, to learn um, new patterns constantly instead of going back and running the same thing over and over again. It, uh, it, you know, some years it has grass, some years it doesn't, some years it's in the bushes, some years it's low. So there's all, there's a lot of different ways to catch bass and to win at Rayburn. And, and so that's been a really, really good learning tool for me over, over the last several years. How important it is, is it for you as an angler to stay consistently fishing, even in your, your, your off times? Well, man, I mean, you know, it, it's really everything, honestly. I mean, you just can't, you can't replicate time on the water. You, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to be able to have all the resources that we have to, to learn as much as we can off the water. And I think that definitely speeds up the learning curve. There's a, there's an important uh, aspect of that that I think all great anglers have as they do their research, their homework off the water. But then the guys that really excel are the guys that go out there and they do it themselves and they spend their own, you know, countless hours on the water applying the stuff that you learn off the water to current conditions and things going on and and it and spending that time on the water is what allows you to make those decisions easily on the fly and to fish freely you know whenever you're out there all the time it's changing all the time so you get conditioned to that and i think that's what's so important do you think that that translates to just time on the water in general it it doesn't matter if you're fishing on the lake that you have a tournament coming up for, or you're just fishing in general. Does it, does it translate? Well, a hundred percent. I think that it does. Um, you know, bass are, I always say this, you know, bass are, are bass no matter where they're at. Right. So yes, they, they react to their environment differently, but they're the same, they're the same creature, you know, they're the same fish. They're, they're in their creature of habit. And they relate to their environment. They're out there just trying to find something to eat and not get eaten. I mean, that's just what they do, no matter where they live, whether it's on the Great Lakes or whether they're not down here in, in uh, East Texas. I mean, that's just that's just the reality of of them. Now, like I said, they relate to their environment much differently. But once you understand basic bass behavior, it's really not crazy different at, uh, across you know uh, across the country honestly and i know people would probably argue that but the way i look at it is, is that a bass that sets up out there on a tennessee river ledge is the same as one that's setting up on a rock pile out in the middle of lake ontario they're just finding a piece of structure relating to what's going on and trying to find an opportunity to feed i mean if you look at it from a simple approach like that it kind of lets you process things a little bit uh simpler instead of trying to get over complicated with things so would you say that is there is there any time of the year where the the opportunity to feed isn't paramount is isn't the most well, important well you know obviously the spawn would be would be the exception to that you, you know and um and that and that that kind of creates some some uh you know differences in kind of the way they spawn you know and stuff like that i mean you know that 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 does create a little bit of a a difference i guess you would say but aside from that um n no not really but but then again even if you look at the spawn um you know smallmouth spawning by a boulder is the same thing as a uh, largemouth down here in toledo bend spawning by a big stump i mean it's an opportunity it's a good spot for them to protect their nest and to kind of protect themselves from predators it provides some camouflage and and it, and you know so it, it's really Yet again, kind of pretty similar, you know, in concept at least. Right, right. That's uh, 
that's one thing that definitely, you know, seems to be a common factor is that, you know, the things fish relate to, they're going to relate to whether you're on Toledo Bend, like you just said, or up on the, uh, up on the St. Lawrence River. Um, Dakota, you mentioned that you moved to Sam Rayburn in 2017. Um, is that right? 2017? Yeah, that's correct. Where, where did, where, where were you before then? So I was living in Stephenville, Texas. I was going to school at Tarleton State University, and I was fishing on the collegiate team there and really opened up a lot of, uh, really opened my eyes to the opportunities of the bass and, uh, bass fishing industry. And and I'd always kind of, you know, grew up hunting and fishing. That's just what we did. And, and I, I I watched guys like Kevin Van Dam and Skeet Reese and Ike and Ellie and all these guys do that one day. But there was really no connection between, you know, me and professional fishing like I, I i didn't have any anybody that i knew that even fished professionally personally so i didn't know how they got out there you know what it would ever even take for me to get there i mean I, I thought i started fishing local tournaments you know and had some success around Louisiana, but um, i realized quickly the money to do it and the avenue wasn't education ended up moving it to Texas. Charles State University got to be really good friends with some of the guys on the bass fishing team. Started fishing college tournaments, and that's when my eyes kind of got open to the fishing industry and the the pathways to potentially fishing professionally one day. I think Jordan Lee had just won his second classic, and you know, while I was in college fishing these tournaments, and the light bulb kind of went off in my head. It was like, man, maybe this can be my way to actually, you know, pursue my my dream of fishing professionally one day. So I, I, I honestly, I put everything I had into that. I took my last semester of classes in 2017 online before I graduated. And uh, I moved to Texas that January. Or, excuse me. I moved to, uh, to Sam Rayburn that January. Took those online classes. Uh, actually missed my graduation from Tarleton uh, because I was at the Bass College Championship on Pickwick. And... Um, and really just put everything I had into fishing. I thought it was a, an opportunity for me to do it while I was young, while I didn't have any responsibilities other than myself and my own financial, you know, um, stuff. I, I didn't have, you know, a wife, or kids or a mortgage or anything like that. I, I knew that this was as simple as my life was ever going to be. And if I had an opportunity to make it, this is when I need to put everything I have into it. And so basically that's what I've done since 2017. Does, was there a high school program for you before the college or, or did you just go right into the college ranks? No, there wasn't the high school program. Uh, that was a little bit before my time. I graduated from high school in 2010. Uh, yeah, I was on the seven-year college program, but I did get a couple of degrees out of the deal and I, I switched my major and, and everything. And so, but, but my time in college um, really um, helped me tremendously, you know, little things that I picked up on in a marketing class or a little bit of things that I picked up in a business management class, you know, stuff like that really has helped me out tremendously along the way. Not, not to mention, you know, the, the actual experience that I got fishing at the college level. So, um, I wasn't able to be a part of the high school program, but the college stuff really helped me out tremendously to get me to where I'm at today. Man, one of the, oops, did we just lose you? We might have just lost Dakota there. Screen went black. Might have got a phone call. Um, we'll see. See if we can get him back here in a second. You got me. Yeah, did you get a phone call? I did. Sorry. Yeah. Um, 
So what what I was about to ask is, um, it, it seems like one of the things I've I've picked up from you, Dakota, is that you're you're very efficient and you're very you're very calculated in in the things you do, and you know that that helps you when you're fishing. But you have to have a really you, your whole your whole everything has to be dialed in when you fish as many events as you do. Like in 2020, when you fish 20. How do you manage all of that? How do you make it all work? Man, I think it's it be, it really becomes kind of like a lifestyle. Like if you and and I really I take a lot of the I used to rodeo, you know, a lot of people know and and I I take kind of that cowboy rodeo approach to fishing and and it's a it's a hustle always on the go, you know, lifestyle where, you know, it, it's kind of old school work ethics really, you know, and that's just all there is to it. Um but if you look back to like we were just talking about in 2017, I, I I took online classes and then and moved down here to as events as I can. So it's kind of something I've been accustomed to doing, you know, for a long time. It's really the way I was raised. I mean, my parents, both of them, uh, work really really hard in in uh, in what they do, you know? and um they kind of instilled that in me at, at a, at a young age. And, um, we, you know, I grew up in a very modest, uh, household, you know, my, my parents worked really hard to keep a roof over my head and to provide me with, with what I needed. And we had to work for everything we had. And, and, and that really instilled that work ethic in me to apply that in every aspect of life. And I still apply that to fishing. And I think that if I wasn't fishing for a living, I'd be applying that same effort in another aspect of life. So I think, you know, it, it comes down to just making that decision that I'm going to dedicate myself to being completely invested and to give it all I have. And it doesn't matter what you're doing. I feel like success is pretty much inevitable at that point if you dedicate yourself to it and put enough effort into it. That's amazing. Um, was 2020 the most events you ever fished in a year? Uh, I fished like, a lot of them and I fished a lot of them in 19 and I fished a lot of them in 21 and I fished a lot. I don't know. I mean, I, I I'd say last year I fished a, a ton as well because I fished, uh, I don't know how many I fished last year, but it might've been more than that because I fished all the, yeah. uh, the pro circuit events, all the Bass Pro Tour events. And I fished a ton of Toyota Series events last year, I think. So say from last year, what was the biggest thing, what was your biggest takeaway, like the most important thing you learned from having that many tournament events under your belt? Well, I just like to put my, I mean, I just enjoy tournament fishing. And uh, I mean, my thing is, like, when, you know, when I'm, I'm at, so like, it's a little different too because you know i just i finally built a house i have a home and i have something to come back to now so that kind of it changes things a little bit but not not a whole lot but, but before man i literally had been living out of my truck and i didn't really have anything to come back to like i i was living in a friend's spare bedroom for the last 3 4 years of my life so whenever i left in january man like my whole mindset was fish as many tournaments as i can get better every day and win as much money as I can. Like that's really been, I mean, and, and now I, I don't, it's not really about the money because I really thoroughly enjoy every event that I go to because I enjoy the challenge of it. The challenge of leaving Okeechobee, driving to Chickamauga 
and fishing another tournament like the next week, the next be in two days practicing on Chickamauga after just left Okeechobee, two totally different fisheries, like being able to just uh, totally change gears and, and, and switch to another fishery and figure it out in its own unique way is really what inspires and drives me. Like I just love putting the pieces of that puzzle together. So the more opportunities I can give myself to do that is, is really what I enjoy. But you got to understand, like, and I structured this in, in that way. Like, I didn't buy a bunch of stuff. I didn't tie myself down financially or even, you know, I've, I've stayed single for the most part throughout all this stuff. Like, I didn't want any other ties other than focusing on my career fishing because I knew the opportunity that I had. But if I was going to maximize that opportunity, I had to put all I had into it. So, like, going to all those events, man, I mean. I would set up my season from January to really August and try to see how many events I could fish in there. And, and, uh, and it just maximizes my opportunity to get better and to be successful. Your sponsors got to love that too, huh? I would say that it's definitely helped me out on the sponsorship side of things because, you know, I've kind of, you know, I've done things different on that, on that front. Um, I'm not a big social media influencer. Now at the, with the success that I have I've had over the last couple of years, my influence on social media has grown, but it's grown from my tournament success and my tournament dedication to going to that many events and being a road warrior in that way. My 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 social media influence hasn't grown because I've you know focused on being a social media influencer. My focus has been on being a successful tournament angler because that's what I enjoy. That's what, that's what, you know, fuels my fire. Right. And, and inevitably because of that, I've, uh, I've gained a true social media following, I think on, on that just inevitably from the amount of tournaments that I fished. And then my sponsors actually, Believe it or not, every company that I work with and even companies that I'm going to be working with in 2023 that I'm really excited or 24 that I'm really excited to announce in the next month or so, like they get it. They're not coming to me saying like, oh, you're a social media influencer. You're doing this. You're doing that. Like we like what you're doing. They're coming at me saying like you're an old fashioned, like hardcore tournament angler. We like that. It's different. And we want to work with you. And so that allows me to continue focusing on fishing and inevitably benefit them too through my tournament success and through my tournament uh, experience, I would say. Not even not even success because sometimes you're going to have bad years and this and that. Like they realize that. But they know because of the experience I've had in tournaments, like I can help them develop new products and I can help them um, – on different things within the fishing industry that, um, that, you know, has a value to it outside of just being a social media influencer that so many people are so focused on right now. Do you think a lot of people or anglers in fishing that are trying to get into the professional fishing industry, you think a lot of people put the cart before the horse? Absolutely. I think 90, 90% of them do. 90% of them do. They want to find, they will, everybody wants to figure out a way to get famous on social media, get the title of being a professional fisherman, and then they go figure out how to try to catch them. Because they think that if I get a bunch of followers on social media, I'll get these big name sponsors, and then I can go fish professionally. And I, I get the idea behind that because it's so expensive. And they're like, well, hell, I don't have enough money to go fish professionally. So I got to try to get these sponsors. And then once I get these sponsors, then I can go, you know, whatever. But it, it 
it ends up, they end up getting, I see it time and time again, you end up getting caught up in that. And it just, it, it doesn't seem to really translate for a lot of guys. I mean, if you look at most of the guys that have been really successful, like outside of a couple exceptions, like Ben Milliken, okay, like, look, he's being really successful right now in the Opens. He was a huge social media influencer, but I think he's kind of a, he's kind of an exception to that, right? Because, I mean, he's obviously a really good angler naturally, but he's also really good on social media. And that's awesome. That's, that's totally, and I don't know him. I, I wouldn't know him if he walked through the door of my house right now. Like I would, I wouldn't know him. But I, I, I see what he's doing. I think it's great. But for the most part, like I, I think, um, I think a lot of people get really wrapped up in the social media thing, and they forget about the fact that you've you've got to be successful on the water to be a, 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 a actual successful professional angler. That doesn't mean you have to be you. You can't be a successful social media influencer because people have done that time and time again. But as far as being a professional angler, like being able to catch them in professional events, I feel like is the most important thing. But it doesn't seem like a lot of guys really go that route. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I don't, and yeah. I don't mean to like step on nobody's toes in that manner. But I think that's how a lot of guys get bogged down in the industry. And they they never get to see the true potential of 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 you know what's actually out there because I mean I, I know this offends people but it, I, I say it all the time to people that really care to listen but if I can do it I really feel like a lot of other people can do it as well I mean because I didn't come from money I didn't come from any of that stuff I just focused on bass fishing and inevitably by having good work ethic good integrity carrying a good name. I actually I met people that said, you know what, this kid's trying to do it the right way. We're gonna help him out, and I never even had to ask for it. Like it just came naturally, you know. And that's be and a lot of that. I, I'm a man of faith. I feel like it was meant to be. I, I'm very blessed, and and all of that. That that's a that's the main part of it. I would say, but but in reality. Um, I worked my butt off and because of that, and I tried to do things the right way. We all make mistakes and not everything I've done has been the right way. But because of me and my dedication to that, it's the trap those people that I needed to help me get to the next level, to get to open that next door, you know? And um, we, we, we attract the same kind of energy we give off. You know, you know what I'm saying? So I think that's very important to young guys starting out in this industry to, to just encourage them to do things the right way. Don't try to bend the rules. Don't try to live in that gray area. Do things with integrity and morals and do things the right way. Work your ass off and good things will come, you know, and it may not be, I'm getting long winded on this because I'm very like, you know, it, but it, it may not be, um, a top at the, uh, a spot at the top of the bass fan rankings uh um in in 5 years like you may not be the next Jacob Wheeler but if you are doing all those things right who knows uh Strike King is liable to come to you and say hey look man we like what you're doing like would you like to work for our company and end up with a, a, a awesome position in the industry or you end up with a great podcast or the Bass University look at that I, you know what i'm saying I mean, there's so many opportunities in the fishing industry and doors open whenever you never even see them coming so uh you just got to do things the right way and work hard at it and that's all there is to it
Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said there. And, you know, it, one of the things that, that stays true to everything that we just talked about, everything that you just reflected there is that the time on the water is absolutely, it's the king. It will always be the king. And you mentioned, so you mentioned Ben Milliken and how he's kind of a, an anomaly for the social media influencers that have really done well in the tournament scene. And the reason for that is honestly is Ben's what Ben has done over the last five years is fished every single day. And that's the content that goes out on his channel. And, you know, he spent a lot of time with the forward facing sonar, a lot of time with his electronics, a lot of time in Texas learning how to target big fish. And that carries over. And that's, that's how it has to, how it has to be. And so I'm curious, man, because, um, you mentioned energy and, and, and staying positive and things like that. And I I like to think that I am the same way. I try to carry a good energy. I try to stay positive. I don't let things bother me. But I'm going to be honest, Dakota. One of the things that does bother me is when, is when you see people that are, they want to look like a professional angler more than they want to actually put in the time to be a professional angler. And I just want to know, like, how does that, like, does that bother you or other guys in the industry? Because ultimately they're taken away from a piece of the pie that's really only so big for everybody to get some of. So that's a very interesting point. And I've, I've, I, early on in my career, I did struggle with that 100% because I was out there going to 20-something events a year, busting my butt, like doing all the things that I, I felt like and, and trying to do things right. the right way. I wasn't grinding. I wasn't blowing up these companies' emails, and I wasn't doing all that. But if I, you know, somebody would say, hey, look, man, like you're doing a good job. We're going to get you hooked up with so-and-so. Email this person. I'd, e- I'd shoot them an email or whatever, and they, would like, they wouldn't even respond. And then so-and-so's over here fishing this this so-and-so trail, hadn't caught a bass in forever, and he's you know getting pallets of stuff shipped to him. And I'm just like, I'm over here just grinding, man, like catching checks, having some success. But I, there's nobody even like and, – and it, so like early on in my career, it did bother me. Honestly, right. it did because I saw like, man, this is a lot of politics involved and it's a lot of just, uh, just, it's just kind of a mess, but, but I, I've learned to overcome that and I'll, right. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how and why, uh, try to, is the best I can without offending anybody. I but, need this Dakota, I need this because, because I, I, what? <laughs> I, one, of my down, one of my biggest flaws is that when I see somebody that's not working as hard as me at something, it pisses me off. And that's not a good thing. So I need to know how to overcome and, and they, this. And, and they may be getting way more attention than you. So there's that. So like, so that's very like offensive. Like a time. But here's the thing. Here's, here's where it comes down to. There are opportunities in this fishing industry that are very, very good. But you have to work very, very hard to get to that percentage and to be in that that level, right? But once you get there, all of that other stuff doesn't matter, right? So what you have to focus your attention on 
or what I have to focus my attention on as an angler and where, where I did place my attention and what has got like, you have got to like Brian thrift ain't worried about all the social media influencers out there. He's not worried about all the guys below. He doesn't care. His contract isn't, is not reflected in any way, shape, or form by anybody else in the industry. Jacob Wheeler's contracts are not reflected by anybody else's contracts in the industry. So is the same with Kevin Van Dam, Ott Defoe, Edwin Evers, uh, Brandon Polinick, Gerald Swindle. Like all of these guys are top tier professionals. Their contracts aren't reflected by any of the other hoopla that's going on in the industry. Focus on being a Brandon Polinick. Focus on being a Greg Hackney. Because whenever you get to that level, none of the other stuff matters. They don't care about all that stuff. Because you have set yourself apart to be one of the elites in the bass fishing industry. And if you focus on that and you get there, none of that other stuff matters. And I know people are like, well, that's only a small percentage of the daggum. You know? industry well guess what think about the small percentage of baseball players that make it to the mlb it's very small you're putting yourself in a professional sport every professional sport out there has a very very small percentage of elite level athletes that get all of the perks and that's all there is to it but in the Mm -hmm. fishing industry we have this ability to fish at a, a a mid-level trail, which I still fish at all the time because I love fishing them. I love seeing all my buddies. And I love to, I like fit like I like I what it is. I get just as fired up for going to fish a freaking Tuesday afternoon tournament here at Rayburn. Okay, but in the fishing industry, in the fishing industry, we have this. It's it's it, it's unique and it's awesome in a way that the everybody can really be involved, right? Like, I mean, you can have a full-time job and go fish some Toyota series events and you can, you can, uh, you know, do all kinds of different things. Right. But there's so many guys that get in that, that middle layer there, that middle level, and they get content there and call themselves a professional. Like, Hey, look, I'm a pro. I go fish these pro level events. Like, mm. and they get content in that deal. And they never like, and then they fuss and complain because they're like, well, dang, you know, I'm fishing this and I don't get this and the fishing industry. Like they, you know, like you, that's where you get all that negative rap from. Right. But they're, they're not, they're not even looking at the bigger picture of like, man, if I get to the elites and I'm going to say the elites, cause I'm not trying to be biased because everyone knows I fish, you know, major league fishing, but you got this guy that's fishing the opens, man. And he's like, you know, he's got it blasted all over his social media about how, you know, how many pro staff what deals he's got. And he's, you know, this and that, and this and that, but he's content right there. Like he, he's not like, he's not in his own mind probably, but he's content and saying, well, man, I, I'm pro. Like I got it, you know, whatever, you know? And then it's the same guy that gets on social media and blasts the industry for being so terrible because he can't get more sponsorship dollars or he can't make it. But their their attention is not to getting to the elites and being at the top of the elites. Their attention is being the best open level pro they can be. Like they're missing the whole damn boat. Right. You know, like you've got to be striving for the top of the sport. Brandon Pollock, 
I, I don't do even know. Contentment? Go, go ahead. How do you fight contentment? Like, how do you keep yourself from, from becoming content? Well, at my core, I'm the complete, like, I, I don't have any problem fighting contentment. What I have a, a, a problem with is fighting never being satisfied. And it's a, mm-hmm. like, it's a, it's a big problem in my personal life like we're getting deep here but you start opening up some serious but as bad as that is in aspects of my life and, and, it, and it, it it's hard for me to maintain personal happiness because i could go win the damn saginaw bay event and like i'm gonna leave there and say i should have done that better like it's a problem that i have right like but it's it's how i've gotten to the level of success that i've had because I'm never satisfied, like never. And I, dude, I'm telling you, this is a serious personal issue that I have. Like, this is not like it's it's very tough. It's been very tough in in every aspect of my life since I was a kid. I've never been satisfied and complacent and and, and okay with 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 any of the results. Like, even when I win, I'm like, but I should have done that better. And and like people that are close to me are like, dude, just chill out and be happy. And I'm like, yeah, man, but I want to be better. So, like, I've fought this my whole life. So, I never have had to, like, I I wish I was more content with with things. Because I'm very thankful and I'm very blessed. Like, I'm able to step back and look at the bigger bigger picture and be like, man, like, dude, you've been really blessed. Like, you've got a lot of things that that I've been able to do, a lot of things that I never even dreamed that I'd be able to do. But I look at it like, dang, if I accomplish that, I can accomplish this. And the ceiling just keeps getting raised and raised and raised in my own mind. So I, I, I don't, I can't give you an answer on that, on that one. Uh, I really can't. Cause it's just not something I've ever, I, I got the opposite problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a good, I mean, it's a good, uh, it's a good, good problem to have in some ways, you know, it's like, it's, it's what, it's what drives you. It's what keeps you going. Do you, this is kind of a, just an off the wall question, but, do you follow any of those like um, motivational pages on social media? Like any of those I, Instagram I, accounts? I do, man. I really do. Like I, I watch a like when I do get on TikTok and stuff. Like I watch a lot of that stuff. You know, a lot of that motivational stuff. And and dude, I mean, man, it all goes back to you know having that glass half full instead of half empty. Like just man, people. Their own minds are what keeps them where they're at in the fishing industry. Like it, it, like there's so many guys at the open level and the invitational level that have all the talent and ability in the world to fish at the top of the sport, but mentally, they 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 hold themselves back. And so, a lot of How that so? motivational How do they hold themselves back. What what are they doing? Because they don't because they don't believe in that motivational stuff. Like they don't they don't truly believe in it and they don't truly trust the process and knowing that dude it's going to be hard. Things are going to go wrong. Doors are going to close. But every damn time a door closes in your life another one opens. It always does. Even when it seems like it's the end of the world, another one will open. And it's like and and like I really feel like almost everybody can look back. And if you look back 10 years ago on the things that you thought were going to be the end of the world, they were actually blessings in disguise. Like I can look back on everything in my life that I ever thought was going to be the end of the world. And it was the best thing that could have happened to me probably, you know, like, but it's all about perspective. It's all about having that positive 
attitude to know that to trust the process that things are going to go wrong, but they're going to go wrong for a reason. It's going to lead me to another direction, another, another, another door opening. And, and there's another thing out there that's going to be better. Like, so I truly believe that. But these guys that are like, they get so wrapped up, like everybody was so like freaked out so much because the inventational or the pro circuit went to the inventationals. Like that was, oh God, devastating, right? And look, if I would have been at that, like if I wouldn't have already qualified for the Bass Pro Tour, I'm sure that it would have offended me to a certain extent as so well. Like if I would have been fishing the invitationals at that time, I'm sure that it would have offended me a, quite a bit as well. Because even at the time, like I kind of looked at it and I was like, man, I don't know about this. Like it's not, but man, like those invitationals, Changed from the pro circuit to the invitationals, right? The only thing that really changed was the name, and they cut the the first place prize by twenty grand. Okay, I think is what it was. But if you were to win that tournament, like I did at Clark's Hill in a Phoenix, you get one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars for a three day event. Name a better one. Name a better qualifier out there. There's not. There, there's not. Like. I, I like there's a prestige of bass and all that stuff. But whenever I look at, look, I'm looking at my career. I'm looking at my opportunities. I'm a businessman. Like that's my job. Uh, fisherman first, but I got to be a good businessman to manage my fishing career. I'm looking at opportunities to make a living fishing the Bass Pro Tour. It's great for my sponsors. Gives me a platform to be on live all the time. TV, all that stuff. Sponsors love it. The payout's pretty good. Then I have the opportunity to go fish seven invita or six invitational events that pay out a hundred thousand potentially, one hundred fifteen thousand per tournament. That's freaking awesome. You know they pay like eight grand down the damn fiftieth place, dude. I mean, pretty good. Okay, like I can at least win my money back if I get fiftieth place. Like I can break even. So, but more importantly, if I'm an invitational angler, I've got an opportunity to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour to be on one of the two top tiers of the bass industry and i got an, an opportunity to make some money in the process like it wasn't that big of a deal like they cut out the championship that sucked but financially feasibly they couldn't do it okay that, uh, that's what i was told that's what i gotta believe right so they cut out the championship that sucked like that 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 really sucked like it really did like that because i mean i I won a lot of money in the championships for the last couple of years so it sucked that i didn't have that opportunity so from a business standpoint like that that's unfortunate. I, I I could see being pissed off about that, especially whenever that's your only like source of income is that tournament trail, right? But at the end of the day, there were more people I think that were offended and pissed off because it was no longer called the pro circuit and it was called an invitational than anything. They weren't looking at the fact that guys, we still got a chance to qualify for the Bass Pro Tour. We still got a chance to make a shit pile of money. We still got a chance to 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 you know make a living and better ourselves in the sport. Like they didn't look at that. They said, oh, no, we're going, we're like, the grass is greener on this side of the fence. Let's go all fish the opens. And it hasn't right. worked out for any of them. Like, I don't think there's anybody that left the inventationals that are in the top, you know, eight or whatever it is for the opens. Maybe there is. And there'll probably be one or two because there are some great anglers that left. I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying the grass ain't always greener on the other side of the fence. Like, and and I, I'm saying that both ways. I'm very neutral when it comes to all this stuff in the fishing industry. But, like, my point of all this is, is that guys get so wrapped up in the 
being in that middle purgatory of bass fishing, whether or not it's on the opens or it's on the invitationals, that they, they get so wrapped up in the drama and the, the fighting over this and the sponsors and, oh, well, that so-and-so like did this and so they're They're forgetting about the bigger picture of, guys, get to the top of the sport. Set your goals to be the next Brandon freaking Polinick. You know what I'm saying? And don't settle for nothing less if you truly want to be a professional angler. So one of the things that that I, I I'm very I'm very blessed to, to be working in the position that I am. I get to work with guys like you. I get to work with guys like Greg Hatney and Brandon Pollock and every everybody in between. And you know, even I, we've even done some stuff with some opens guys and invitational guys, all that stuff. I, I think I've come to the conclusion with myself that in my own head, I consider guys professional anglers professional fishermen or not by the way they go about their their fishing and what i mean by that is like either either you go about it the right way or you don't right because there's there's guys that are that are on the opens or or in the toyota series that yeah i i consider them professionals because they do things the right way they catch them they they, are making a legitimate living in 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 their in the tours that they're fishing and you know one of the things that kind of i'm always confused by this when i hear when i hear this get said it's like oh you can't make any money fishing the toyotas or you can't make any money fishing the opens and i hear that and i say well let me look down through these payouts right and i see what the payouts actually are and i'm like well you can you just gotta catch them. That's like that's that's and all. That's the, but dude, we're so wrapped. We get so wrapped up in the fishing industry, they forget about catching them. They're like, I oh, can't make no money. No, dude, you gotta catch them. You you gotta, you gotta catch, catch the bass. Them. Like it's a bass tournament. You gotta catch the bass. Like that's and it. if you catch them, dude, it doesn't matter where you're fishing. You can go fish the MPFLs. You catch the hell out of them. Guess what, buddy? You're gonna make a good living that year. You can yeah. go fish the. You can go fish the opens, and if you catch the hell out of them, you're gonna make a good living that year, and you're you probably go gonna fish, qualify for the elite. Your local trail. You can, you fish, can go you fish, can fish the stuff around the house. You're going to make money. Listen, let me tell you something. You better be one bad son of a gun, okay? There's a couple of them around here that are, like like Marshall Hughes. Marshall Hughes is a guy down here that lives on Toledo. He is a bad son of a gun, and he will be at the top of the sport one day. But he's making he's made plenty of money here at Rayburn and Toledo. That's it. Right. I mean, plenty of money. Now, at the local level, you better be really bad. Like, really, 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 really good. Because it's hard to be consistently successful and win everything around East Texas. Like, these guys right. are freaking stone-cold killers. So right. you better be really, really good to be able to do that. So I have the utmost respect for those guys, too. But you're right. Like, you, if, you go, if you're bad enough, if you're good enough, like... If you're catching them, you're you going to make money. Freaking, if you're you're going to make money. And there's <laughs> so much. I mean, dude. Like, for me, just being an old freaking redneck from Louisiana, man, like, bass fishing's been okay. But I haven't – it's been very, very difficult at times, too. Very difficult. And I've had – I've I've had – I'll say this, though. I was never at a place where I felt like – there was time – there has been some controversial times where I felt like I didn't know if this was the right – sport and place for me like uh, and that, but that's a whole another whole another subject for another day but there was never a time along the way where i doubted myself i just didn't know how i was going to do it 
Right. I was and like, man, it was like, it was like, man, it's not that I doubted myself. It's just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to have the money to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to do that. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, we can talk about this till we're blue in the face and we can, we can, we can come up with all the different ways to make it and everything else. I always tell guys this, like, I don't walk in your shoes. I can't tell you how to be a professional angler. Cause I don't know. We, we all come from different paths and different lives and everything. Like, I can't tell you how to be a professional angler. I can tell you how I did it and it, it may help you out and motivate you or, 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 or help you make some decisions along the way for learning from my experiences and my bad choices, my good choices. But I can't tell you how to be a professional angler. But what I can say is this. No matter what we say in this whole deal, and there might be thousands of people watch this. Out of the thousands of people that watch this, there's only probably a couple that really, truly, like, really, like, when it comes down to it, want to be a professional angler. When they want everything that comes with it. All of it. All, like, all of it. Because it's, it's a lot. And it, the good and the bad, because it's not for everybody. Like, the politics of the sport right now are absolutely really eating at me really bad right now. And and, and that's a problem that I have to deal with myself. And all it's going to do if I let it continue to eat at me is hurt my tournament success, my success in the water because I'm not focusing on and enjoying it and having fun like, like, I, like I needed to. But at the end of the day, that's stuff that comes with the bass fishing industry, whether or not you want to admit it or not, or whether or not you want to be a part of it or not, it will suck you up and chew you up and spit you right out and totally like mess you up. And it, and I, I'm on the verge of letting that happen right now. And I, I, I'm going to work really hard in the off season, go deer hunting, flush it all out. I'll be ready to go in 24. But it's a reality. It's part of the sport. It's there's so many things that come with this that people don't realize until they get in it. Whether it's time away from the family, time on the road, um, having to sacrifice things at home. Like there's just all of that stuff. And when it comes down to it, a lot of guys realize, man, like, like guys tell me all the time, well, you're lucky because you don't have a family, you don't have this, you don't have that. Like you can go folk fishing all the time. Dude, you don't think it bothers me to not have a family? You don't think it bothers me to not have a wife and kids and all those things? But I have sacrificed that up until this point to to be able to have the you know ability to go and fish that many events, and that sucks. Like it's not, it's something that kind of it bothers me at times. I think that, but I've like I've worked really hard to get to where I'm at so that down the road I can support a family and have a fa and do all these things. But that's just the way I chose to go about doing things. Some people already have kids and they have a wife and they can't afford to be gone that long. It's just it's just life, man. It's just reality of it. But aside but aside from all that, we we can we can all we can get to this. Like no matter what you say or I say or Kevin Van Dam says or or however like it comes down to it. You take a room full of 100 people. You can tell all the good things about the bass fishing industry and all the opportunities out there, and you can tell them all the bad things about the bass fishing industry and all the bad things out there, and how there's no money in it, and there's not this, there's not that, and all the negativity that we hear every single day when we pick up our phones and look at social media. But the reality of it is there's one person in that room or out of that hundred, they don't care. They don't give a shit how bad it is. They don't care how good it is. They just want to fish professionally and be at the top of the sport because they love it and nothing else matters 
They they don't care what it takes to get there. They don't care what they have to sacrifice to get there. They're going to make it. And those are the those are the elite anglers. Those are the ones that become Brandon Polinix and Jacob Wheelers. And that is the only way that I have got to where I'm at right now today. Like that's that's how I got because I didn't you couldn't discourage me. You couldn't encourage me. I have my own encouragement because it's what I wanted to do and I didn't care what it cost. And because I dedicated myself in that way, it attracted outside attention that were like, man, this kid is really serious about this. And it is what helped, like those opportunities are what helped me along the way. Um, so that's just my thing, man. Like for people that are listening to this and they're just interested in what's going on in the bass fishing industry, then that's that's cool. For the guy that's out there that's saying, man, I really want to do this. Like, well, guess what, buddy? The door, like the opportunities are endless. They're out there. Yeah. Like you just got to go get it. And you got to do it your own way. You got to do it the hard way. You got to put in the time. There's no shortcuts. And you just got to go get it. And that's all there is to it. That's you got to find a way. Words, words wisely said there, you, you got to go get it. it I, I have a saying, and I, and I use it a lot, is that if you want something bad enough, you just got to keep knocking on the door because eventually somebody will open it. And if somebody doesn't open it, you got to kick the door in and you just got to go in and, 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 and make it happen on your own. Because, you know, if, if you set your mind to something, you, you're, you're, you're going you're gonna to make it happen one way or another. You got you to manifest it and just make it into a reality but dakota i got one last question for you and then i'll let you go i know you got a lot going on and it's a really simple one why do you love to fish man it's just been what i have it's just been a part of my life since I, my mom had me in her bass boat before i could walk like she literally has like videos of me like in a little bouncy thing you know like <laughs> and a snoopy pole you know, I mean, it's just what we grew up doing, man. Like, I was just a country kid from the South that just, man, we, we ate what we caught and we ate what we killed. We hunted during the winter and we fished during the summer and everything went in the freezer and that's what we lived off of, man. Like, it's just it's just what I grew up doing. And uh, I was never forced to do it. My, my, my parents never made me fish no tournaments or made me go fishing. I just really, truly enjoyed it. I enjoyed being outdoors and, um, and just being outside, being in nature and like figuring it out, you know, like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. And so, um, none of that's ever changed. I mean, you know, everybody listening into this podcast can probably relate to that and say, man, like I feel the same way. The only difference was is that like I was it, I was so ate up with it that it distracted me from being successful in anything else in life, <laughs> and that's the reality of it. You know, I mean, I, I I missed school all the time because of it. I wasn't very good in school because of it. I wasn't like I I, I didn't want to go get certain jobs and opportunities that I had because I knew that it would cut out from my time outdoors hunting and fishing, and so. I, I, I saw the opportunities in the fishing industry. I looked at it from a glass half full perspective. I didn't care what anybody else said about about it or me or whether or not. I mean, I got told multiple times, dude, when are you going to get a real job? Girl, won't you grow up? You know, like I remember that when I first moved to Rayburn, like people were like, 
a guy come up to me in front of a whole bunch of people and humiliated the hell out of me and said, dude, you ain't ever going to be nothing but a loser. Why don't you go get a real job? We're back. All right, you got me back? Yeah. No, I got another phone call, but uh, but no, I mean, I didn't. I, I don't, I don't want to get off a whole other tangent, but you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I, I just have always just, just love fishing, man. And, uh, when I saw the opportunity for me to potentially do it for a living, I just put everything I had into it and that's just all there, you know, and, um, didn't let anything else distract me and, um, just always what I've loved to do, man. And it's worked out, it's worked out well. And there's been one common theme over a lot of our conversations, whether it was today on the podcast or in when we were getting ready for your seminars or even at ICAST, and it's like just consuming yourself with it, just giving giving everything you have to give um, to to trying to become a professional fisherman, and you've done that, man. You uh, you're I'm not going to say you're there because I knowing what I know about you now is that you're never yeah. satisfied and you're going to keep on, you're going to keep on keeping on. But yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's awesome to see. It's, it's, it's awesome to, uh, to, to see, you know, things work like that, man. When you, when you put everything, when you put everything you have into something and, and it ends up working out, it's uh really cool stuff. So dude, thank you for, uh, for, for hopping on with me today, you've gotten like 10 phone calls while we've been, while we've been going. So I know you're busy. I know you got a lot going on. Um, but yeah, thanks man. Uh, good luck up there at Saginaw Bay. We'll be pulling for you and, uh, I hope we get to catch up again soon. Thanks man. I appreciate you having me, dude. It was awesome as always. We'll talk to you later. Good deal. See you Dakota. All right, guys, that was Dakota Ebear. Um, man, man, he, uh, he, He's passionate about the the things he believes in and it comes through in every time I have a conversation with him, I'm just like, you know, I can feel his energy and how much, how much effort he's had to put into getting to where he is and fishing. And, uh, I like it. I, I, I really like it. We, uh, hope we didn't ruffle any feathers on this one. Um, I think he, uh, he's just very passionate about, about the things that he believes in and uh and yeah it's uh it's refreshing to 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 hear from somebody like that that is not afraid to put it out there i mean you know he he kind of called a lot of things in the fishing industry called them for what they are and that's really refreshing because a lot of times those things get just glazed over so it's been fun. I'm glad we got to do this again. I'm glad I got to talk to Dakota Ebear. A little uh, little post-ICAST seminar recap. We didn't touch too much on his seminar, but believe me, a lot of the things that he really inflected in, in this interview comes through in his seminar as well. And all the importance there is to to giving everything you have and working hard and preparing and, and, and making sure that your, that your time on the water is, is efficiently used and it's well spent. So definitely check that one out when it comes out, but that's all we got for today. We'll be coming back again. What do we got next Thursday? I will be at Champlain 
so we won't be recording on Thursday, but we'll figure out a day to, to record something and uh, keep the extra credit podcast coming to you weekly. So everybody that's listened, everybody that's downloaded, everybody that's reviewed, everybody that's given me feedback, thank you. I appreciate it. Please keep it coming. Positive feedback, negative feedback. I love it all. I want to get better at this. Keep letting me know who you want to have on. We're going to keep talking to them. It's going to be fun. This has been the Extra Credit Podcast. We will see you next week.